Welcome to CFO 4.0, the future of finance. The CFO role is changing rapidly, moving from cost controller to strategic visionary. And with every change comes opportunity. We are here to help you take advantage of this transition, to win at work, drive your career forwards, and lead with confidence. Join Hannah Monroe, Managing Director of ITAS, a financial transformation consultancy, as she interviews key experts to give you real-world advice and guidance on how to transform your processes, people, and data. Welcome to CFO 4.0, the future of finance. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of CFO 4.0. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. And for those that are joining us, we've noticed a a recent uh, set of new subscribers in our numbers of figures. So fabulous to have you with us. And we hope you're enjoying these sessions. So with me today is a returning guest and one of our old favorites, Michael Ryan. So for those of you that are new to the the show, you... um, he is a financial transformation consultant. So I love these sessions. We get to talk everything transformation and consulting. So welcome, Michael. Thanks for coming back. Thanks, Hannah. Thank you. Oh, delighted to be back. Enjoyed the last conversation. And I'm sure we'll have as much fun today with the next one. Absolutely. And, and, and as usual, I suspect we will go slightly off topic, but that's part of the fun of these sessions. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, so one of the things that we were chatting about before the show is we want to talk about the topic of innovation and specifically innovation and finance. Um, so, and uh, we've got, um, so Michael, this is something obviously you've talked a lot about in the past and certainly recently. So, so let, let's just start with what do we mean by innovation? Well, actually, it's very interesting. I, um, I post lots of stuff to LinkedIn. And I basically do be challenging my community to, to put across their thoughts and I'm largely come to the conclusion most of finance is actually shy. But um, I recently, in discovering how to take videos and repurpose them and so on and so forth, um, found a video which described innovation. And basically, innovation is to improve upon something that somebody else has done. That, that's in, in a nutshell what it means. It's not actually to come up with the idea yourself. Um, and I posted this on LinkedIn and I got something in the region of 80,000 views. In fact, this thing got punched all over the internet between here, North America, the West Coast, Australia, everywhere. And I'm still waiting on someone to actually put a comment in, which is an example of finance <laughs> innovation. I had, I had all the IT guys jumping all over the going, you need to look at this, Michael. <laughs> you need to look at this. You need to look at this. And I'm going, okay, cool. How did any of that make finance any better? And um, my own personal opinion, I have several uh, tech partners, particularly in the data science space. And uh, not everybody, I think, everybody has this misconception that finance people spend their entire lives looking at Excel. And at the moment that a software company rocks into a finance function and goes, my God, these guys are using Excel. They're using spreadsheets for everything. There's no innovation. There's no nothing. This place needs automation. It needs change. And I go, well, actually, there's nothing wrong with Excel. It does the job. You know, I haven't actually found anybody who's come up with a replacement for Excel. No matter what, no matter how good the kit is, no matter how good the ERP system from tier one, tier two, tier three, you name it, whatever market size is aimed at, and whatever is the latest data science gimmick, I guarantee you, that some accountant will come along and he'll take the output of that and he'll whack it into Excel and he'll check it to see if it was right. <laughs> and then he'll get asked the question by his boss which sends him back to Excel to check it again because he doesn't know how to use the system. So actually, I see very, very little in innovation. 
Yeah, I see very little innovation in how we approach doing finance by the people who do finance themselves at any stage since I've started. That was 25 years ago, despite the young ones. Yeah. <laughs> so so for my, my challenge for that is that I feel like there is a time and a place for Excel. So my my issue yeah. with the volume of Excel spreadsheets is exactly that, is that when you go in, it's all they use, right? And for me, Excel has mm-hmm. some specific use cases where it should be mm. used and some specific use cases where it wasn't, where it shouldn't. Um, and, and I think the challenge yeah. with, with finance in generally, um, when you go in, particularly those that are on legacy systems, is the fact that it's all they use, right? They're not use And even when their system has the capabilities um, within it, people people don't mm. take the time to actually understand it. And like you said, Michael, their default mm. reaction is to go back to Excel. So until we change that default, yeah. then you can't get it out. Mm. And I've actually seen some incredible spreadsheets. Like I look at some of them and go, wow, right? You know, you're, you're mm. verging on developing an entire program sitting in that one Excel spreadsheet, right? But yeah, yeah. The question is, is that the right place to do it? And, and I'm, I'm going to be honest, I think we might be on two different sides of heads, but it's the point of these conversations is that I don't think it should. I mm-hmm. think people need to be aware of the volume and the type of Excel spreadsheets they have and find the right place for that data and that information. It's my perspective. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dispute that. But I mean, the question actually was, where do we see innovation in finance? And we don't see it from the finance people themselves. Yeah. So the default setting on everybody who's been in finance for at least my age is you can't teach an old dog new tricks. So I know that Excel works. And it basically, it's basic human nature. Every single finance department gets put under pressure for approximately, depending upon the size of it, three working days of each month. Minus one, plus one, plus two. Depending upon how efficient and how effective the business itself is after that and the finance function itself, whether it's three, four, and five, or minus two and minus three as well on top of it. But when you're under pressure to do something, you default to one, what you know works, mm. but two, and most importantly, you default to what you are comfortable with. So this comes back to, I was actually delivering, oh, I was rehearsing a speech for somebody else for next week, and it came, how do you deliver a successful, how do you win hearts and minds in order to deliver a successful technology adoption? And um, you, you only do it by making people, you, you have to bring them on the journey. If you get them involved from the start, you have to get them to understand why you're doing it, get them to embrace it, all that kind of stuff. But their, their natural reaction to everything is, I get paid to do my job in this box here, and I'll do it whatever way I'm comfortable. You get paid five times as much as me, you do it whatever way you like. So you're a generation away. You and I can sit here as highly experienced, technology competent individuals yeah. and go, it should be done like this. It should be done like this. It could be done like this. Yeah, you can use Excel in that environment. That's fine. And then we go into a whole swathe of people who, to be frank, in experience and in um, development terms, are not on the same level. And it's like Napoleon said, you march at the speed of your slowest soldier. The line goes that far if the lad at the back is that bad, right? Yeah. Um, And it's the same with a finance function. It moves, it evolves, and it changes at the speed of the rump of the finance function, which is still using the old system, the old approach, the old rest of it. So I always listen to the tech boys and they go, oh yeah, rock in, get rid of the Excel spreadsheets. These are living in the dark ages. And they go, hold on, it's all the ball here. You need to convince these people that what you've got is better. So you have a degree of responsibility to ensure that change happens. And we are at least a generation away 
from 75 to 80 percent of UK companies adopting that within their starting process when they actually start work. Yeah. As in they start their careers. No, and I think you're spot on on that. And for me, what I found is really important is the handholding that needs to go alongside technology products. And I see that both is from the technology vendor, um, and we're trying mm. very hard not to talk about tech, a specific tech, but the people that are implementing that technology. But also, you need I mm-hmm. I really believe that you need to have people within the organisation that can be those handholders for those that are on the back end yeah. of that that army of finance individuals. Yeah. So you need both because mm-hmm. if you have one or the other, it doesn't work because you need to have mm-hmm. the the adoption and the, that level of knowledge both within and outside and supporting the organization through. Um, yeah, yes and no. In order to run a company at the best of it, to change it from what it was before to what it could be in future, well, at the end of the day, you have to understand the finance people aren't there necessary to ensure that the tech is changed or new tech, new tech is adopted. Their objective is to deliver the accounting results. And to be honest, I've seen many a finance team who's operating on a system that somebody should have retired 15 years ago, but they're delivering what's required. So they're not killing themselves to change it. And it's, you know, so I still reckon we're a generation well, away. That, but there's got to be a reason. Yeah, we're a generation yeah. away, at least, from, you know, being anywhere close to retiring Excel. Yeah, but I don't. That's the point. Is I don't think there is a need to retire it. I think we're supposed to use it for the purpose that it should be used. And I think that's that's one of the. Well, pieces. Let, let me let yeah. me let me put it a different way. Let me put it a different way. The day I listen to somebody rock in to sell me automation software, and they don't go, "Oh my god, is he using Excel for this? Is he using Excel for that?" And I'm on the floor laughing. I go, "I don't care. It does the job. It's effective, right?" So unless your system is far more cost effective. Then my two clerks at 20 grand a pop doing this on Excel. I don't care. I don't continue to do it. But I think that's the point, isn't it? Is that it's mm. about using the right system for the job. And and the reality, in my personal mm. opinion, is that there's lots of things that people use Excel for that it should be. There's lots of things it should be. Like people are like, you're going to get rid of every single spreadsheet. I'm like, God, no. Right? I'm, I'm not. I, mm. like the, the software isn't also at a stage where you can get rid of everything. Right? Well, let me let me actually take that back. Let me take that back a stage. So, there's there's the first part of this: Are we innovating in finance? Pure and simple, I would say no. I haven't met anybody innovating in finance. I've met people innovating for finance outside of finance, and not one single one of them is tasked with what a CFO is expected to deliver. Okay, so I don't believe there's any innovation for start. I believe we will go through a journey whereby one generation of staff will roll off and the younger generation will roll on and expect everything to be done by an app or something or whatever, technically and more advanced and all the rest of it. I also need to see an evolution in the sales process of technology away from simplistic arguments, which to be honest, bore the backside off most senior finance people. You come in to tell me the top three things and you start off by telling me it's Excel and you know, you're saving me an hour here and an hour here. I don't care. Bring me something that's groundbreakingly different, which brings me to the main point of this. When, with the brain's trust that exists across finance, if we can have this conversation and other of our peers can have this conversation, when somebody going to design a finance system that does not require Excel? Why is that such a leap? Why is that difficult? And I think, yeah, no, and I think 
I think it goes, so there's a couple of really interesting comments you made there, right? So if you ask me why I think mm-hmm. Excel isn't completely replaceable is because of the flexibility mm-hmm. that Excel gives gives organizations that yeah. to cope with scenarios that are specific to them. So until we get mm-hmm. to a scenario where we have finance people able to write mm-hmm. code, which, like you said, is not that far away in terms of generations, because if you think about the generations mm-hmm. coming through, yeah. Right, that could be yeah. the future in 10, 15 years, right? Because they're learning code at school. Mm-hmm. Um, until yeah. we have finance teams that can code and they come in and they, they develop and build their own finance platforms and apps from scratch as they come through, mm-hmm. then I don't think we can ever completely replace Excel. But I also feel like we could, in finance, we could be a shed load better than we are now, right? Because it's like you say, it's the default yeah. we go to. This, everybody is like, oh, let's just do that in, you know, let's just do that in Excel and we'll figure out how to do it better another time. And I think that is the piece that we need to get better at in finance. Finance needs to stop and think more often, you know, outside of those yeah. three crazy days a, a month that we know exist. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. And we need to innovate. Yeah. I had this debate with somebody recently um, where we were going over what's the source, what's the cause of a project? Nine times out of ten, I spend most of my time focusing on the, the day one kickoff to a major transformation program to get the C-suite agreed on what the problem was. And what's the actual reason why I'm stood in the room? Yeah. You're here because you said you wanted to do something. You want to either transform finance or put in a new system or do the paradigm together or whatever. Um, and in, in most instances, it's anecdotal evidence that caused it. So if somebody went through either a quarter end, a month end, a half year or a year end, and those three days caused somebody to tear their hair in, and then the consultants are sent for. And I actually do think an awful lot of the team itself and the finance function itself could take responsibility for solving its own problems. But it doesn't. It doesn't carve out the thinking time. It doesn't go right. There has to be a debrief to every major activity we do. It's a standard activity at the juice period end. What type of company are emphasis quarter and a half year or whatever. So there's no debrief after that. Um, there's no sit back and go, okay, at a fundamental strategic level, how could we do this differently? What are we doing wrong? And, and not to do a debrief which says, oh God, that would have been so much easier if the business hadn't let me down. Or there's some lad in procurement didn't do something. Or we end up with five reasons and none of them are down to ourselves, you know? So it, it comes back still fundamentally to basic human um, behaviors. Can you actually take a good, hard, honest look in the mirror and go, this is what I'm responsible for. Did I do my best? Do I seriously require until working day five to deliver a flash result? No, not unless I want to be sacked. Um, I don't. So how do I improve it? How do I take responsibility for making it working day four, working day three, working day two? We've all been gifted these projects at the start of our career. Reduce something, I the Argos one, down to working day two. And you go around the business and you think of a highly experienced, intelligent lads and they go, oh, I don't know if we can do that. I don't know, you haven't taught this, you haven't taught that. I'm going, you've been doing this job for the last 10, 15 years. You've never taught about it once. <laughs> When's the last time your boss stuck you in a room and you went, any chance you'd improve that? Is there any particular reason why I'm waiting until three days to know exactly what my sales numbers are? Yeah, any chance you'd, you know, crank it a little bit faster? Are you seriously going to make somebody redundant because they make an improvement in the end-to-end, uh, in the R2R uh, period-end process and improve it from working day three to working day one? You're not going to make them redundant. You've got to give them a bonus, a pay rise, and a pat on the back and tell them, thank Christ you managed that because this is what the business is run on. There's not enough of that uh, self-reflection. There's not enough team reflection. There's not enough 
challenge to what you're accomplishing. There's just, let's just get the job done. We get the job done. We go to Pizza Express, pat you on the back. That was great there. You know, you have to walk late during the week, deadly stuff. Not looking at it going, you have to walk late during the week. Why? Why? And don't sit there and tell me that it's procurement's fault. Or the lad in the fixed assets team who's no clue what he's at. Oh, he didn't get me cost-based reports. So I couldn't do the sexy part of accountancy. I'm walking day three in time. A CFO is killing me and it's your team's fault. No, take responsibility yourself. So it all fundamentally comes back to what's the caliber of the individual that we're feeding into the finance process, which means what's the caliber of individuals that we have in the profession. So are we getting the right people into this or are we just getting, yeah, it's a job. But so I'm fully convinced we've no innovation from finance people. But, and I've, I actually think that depends on who you're working with, right? Because I've been lucky enough mm-hmm. to work with people that are doing that. So I get asked, because one of the things we we support people do is to create their checklist and do those kind of things. So, and they'll have like the date that they're actually doing each task when they should be completing it and when they actually completed it. And then that's, that's, that forms the debrief. So I think it's really interesting. I think people are starting to think like that's that kind of organizational design thinking piece, that process improvement is starting to come through and people are starting to challenge. But my other thing is I think there's, there is an assumption that the way that finance has always worked in terms of waiting until the month end to produce reports is it's accepted. Yeah. So it takes people to come in and yeah. say, hang on, why do we why are we waiting? Why can't we why can't we produce this report weekly instead of waiting until the end of the month? What's stopping us? And mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. the piece, isn't it? It's having people that haven't grown <laughs> up in finance sometimes to actually come in and ask those yeah. questions. So so all of what we've discussed so far. So innovation is always associated with technology. So it, yeah, mm-hmm. and I don't, I, I don't agree with that, yeah. but I totally understand where that statement yes, comes from. Yes, that's, that's right. So, so innovation is associated with technology. We don't get the people within the profession itself driving the technology. Yeah. Seldom. It's somebody else who's never had the job. But what we've talked about for 15 minutes is actually all human behavior organizational change. The mindset and managerial genius necessary to accomplish this has existed since Peter Drucker was writing books. That was long before I started doing accountancy and knew what Microsoft <laughs> Excel and Bill Gates was. So like, well, one of the problems with the profession is that there's, there's, there's always the nonsensical joke about accountants that they're all boring. I mean, take a look. Do you seriously think we're all boring? Are you kidding me? Um, uh, that, that impression has changed of the profession, but the profession is not doing anything to show that it has become a critical mm-hmm. thinker. It's not actually embracing sheer, uh, pure intellectual challenge to what it's doing. It's not. It's just doing it in a mechanical format. Um, it's not stepping outside the box and, and challenging it at all. I always, when I do um, uh, payables conferences, I ask them, so 400 people in a room, absolutely devoted to processing invoices. And I go, anybody ever know the history of the invoice? 400 blank faces look at me. So, you guys are, you know, you get paid to do this. You're getting paid to manage them. She's getting paid to manage you. And uh, you all exist in order to process this on the basis of a couple of hundred thousand of them a year per organization. And not one single one of you has ever questioned the basis upon which it's done. So, so nobody does that. They don't do critical thinking. Otherwise, somebody would have taken an intercompany accountant in a room and shot it a long time ago. <laughs> wow. And I think. But that's what I find interesting at the moment. I think people are challenging the status quo, right? And it may be just the kind of people that I deal with, right? Because I'm, you know, I have my traditional customers and my and people that are 
in that piece. But I also have lots of people that are going to me, right? Like, I, I know there's got to be something better. You've got to, like, how do we get there and how do we do that? And and I, I, I do feel like finance is changing. I wouldn't have said that, say, eight years ago. I think five years I started to get excited and now I am mm-hmm. I'm I am genuinely excited. But I also think that finance people don't talk enough amongst themselves, right? Because they tend to be very much in their own mm-hmm. space. And you and I sitting here on yes. a podcast talking about finance. Oh, is this, is cut, this is cutting edge, Hannah. This is cutting edge. <laughs> cut edge. Oh, we we, we uh... well, not you won't find two other finance professionals anywhere in the UK sitting here arguing the toss over whether there's innovation in finance. Because the first one to come on and go, yes, I'd like to explain to you what innovation in finance means. And then I'll give you some example that's got absolutely nothing to do with me and to do with somebody else's company over there. And then we'll have a softball conversation where you then come back in and you go, oh, I totally agree with you there, Michael. That's absolutely brilliant. And then we'll rock on. Nobody actually has a debate. It's about time that somebody took the Irish approach <laughs> to running finance to the UK's 20,000 mid-size and above companies and went, would you give me a break? Would you? Is there any chance you'd engage your brain? <laughs> your turn. So so after you've insulted the entire of the UK on the podcast. <laughs> oh, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. What I did was, what I did was, in one stroke, I challenged this to adopt the critical mindset, which en masse it is failing to do. Yeah. It will only do it, in my experience, when five or six of them rock into Weatherspoons at seven o'clock on a Thursday to moan about how hard period end was, and then when they sober up on a Friday, they'll have forgotten about it, and they'll do nothing about it either. Yeah. You, you are an outlier <laughs> in your profession <laughs> in hosting these conversations. Yeah, and and to be very fair, it's really so. Obviously, outside of um, working with people in finance, I obviously speak to get speak to a lot of consultants as well, and it is really interesting how how even then there isn't enough creative thinking. Like, so I look at every single feature that I get hold of and go, how many ways can I use this? What can I use to change it with? What impact could that have on an organization? And applying that rather than... Um, you're, not, you're talking about technology features. Not even, yeah, so technology, but also thinking about... So, so a lot of the, the challenges with technology is people come to technology vendors with a problem and then they solve it. That's how they, yeah. that's how they um, generate their ideas and their pieces. Whereas actually what I prefer to do is say, say, look at the technology and go, how many ways can I use this to push the boundaries and make that organization better rather than the other way around? Because for me, because the problem that people think they have is not always the problem they actually have. Right. So the problem they'll come yeah, to me is my, my month end is it takes me three weeks to do my month end. Right. Um, and that is a, a problem, but it's not the problem. The problem is, is they can't surface information to the organization quick enough for them to make good decisions. Yeah. So because, and you know, because yeah. every, you know, every company needs a, 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 at one point you pull that off. But for me, that is the problem. So, you know, rather than just focusing on month end, the conversation needs to be, how do I share that information? How do I give the business what it needs so that finance can close the books in a way that works for them um, and get to those end mm-hmm. figures? Yeah, I'm not disputing that. We're, we're on the same box. This is this is why these podcasts are so different, isn't it? We uh, we both it's get still, on our same It's still boxes. not. It's yeah, yeah. It's still not innovation. No, innovation doesn't exist in finance. But if you go back to your the definition, day somebody, the day yeah. somebody, yeah, yeah. Go on then. How has Excel improved? 
Well, I think that's the point, isn't it? Innovation is not coming up with new ideas, as you told us from the beginning. It's about improving no, correct. on yes. the way they do this. Yes. And I would, I would yes. say finance is innovating in that it's improving on how they do things. It's making things better, but it's not innovating fast enough. It's not wholesale change. It's smaller incremental improvements versus actually rethinking yeah. how finance works. Yes, yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. I, I would actually be challenging them as to why they're not doing it. Yeah. I mean, let's face facts. The people who run large-scale finance functions, they're not dummies. They're smart people. So it all comes down to, yeah, it all comes down to where is the organization at an executive level putting the importance on the critical thinking which is required in order to challenge how processes are done. Because uh, the basic way in which all organizations operate is, you know, it's largely, largely the same. The trust of it is the same. Um, and it's then just accepted from one company to the next. It's a variant thereof because we're in a particular sector or a particular industry and there's no real thinking about it. You always get the nonsensical thing when you're a consultant where somebody says to you, do you understand our sector? And I'm going, it's a business. Yeah, I understand it. I could have written it down before I walked into the room. You're not special. Do you know what I mean? At the end of the day, you're producing a product or you're producing a service. Well, what else are you producing? You're producing one or two things and you're attempting to sell them for which you have inputs and outputs and you have a process that produces this. It doesn't really matter beyond that. Most of that can be drawn before you walk into a company. Um, but there's no, there's no challenge to that thought process. Um, and there's no, there's no real serious leaders. Everybody I listen to who I really seriously don't believe is innovating nothing is just banging on about what a particular piece of technology can do. I see nobody uh, who's the Jordan B. Peterson of finance. Canadian psychologist. <laughs> If I had to explain it, Hannah. <laughs> Sorry, you're gonna have to. You know what to. I mean? Somebody, there's, there's no, there's no critical management thinking around what's 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 done. No, there is in business schools, but your business schools will never apply it in reality. They'll produce a report which shows that they're a great business school, so they get more students. Great. Doesn't change a great deal. There's no real leaders who have the Elon Musk mindset of I'm going to do something completely different and I'm going to do it successfully. Not not within finance, there is name me one trailblazer other than the two of us. So I I think there are a couple of interesting people, right? And I and, and I and I and I think trailblazers is an interesting word. Um because mm-hmm. I, but I think in different ways there are a number of thought people that are asking good questions, right? And I do see my role yeah. to ask questions and put stuff in front of people to make people think. Because that's how mm-hmm. I see success. If I do something that gives people enough information that they can just go away and it, it, they think outside of the Friday night drinks um, sitting in the pub mm-hmm. and actually go and make a small yep. change, for me, I've won, mm-hmm. right? And I think there are enough mm-hmm. people now that are willing to step up to the plate and start doing that. And I think natural, but I don't think it's happening enough. I, I, I would love to see more no. people in finance um, being willing to step up and actually have those conversations. Um, and, mm-hmm. I, and I do feel like it's about under- thinking about the role that finance plays within an organization, right? Because there's, mm-hmm. there's lots of different, I think, viewpoints on where finance needs to go in an organization, even just the purpose of finance for an organization. And I don't know that we know where that's going to end up yet, is my, my view. Okay. I, I, I would basically say from the very first day I've started work, the most important or the most important function in an organization is finance full stop. Yeah. 
Well, I, I don't think an organization can't operate without finance. Can't, can't operate. It can operate without a hell of a lot of the rest of them. Yeah. Now, every business has its core rationale. Whoever came up with the first idea or innovation, whatever. Um, whatever the product is, whatever the service is, and it, it, it trundles on from there. Um, but if you can't count it, if you can't keep the score, if you can't actually forecast and plan uh, in very simple terms, you've no hope of running a business. You just run it into the ground. So the single most important person to put your hand around in any business is whoever your CFO is. And it's typically why so many of them end up becoming CEOs yes. uh, because they're basically put through a process from which you screw it up on a month-to-month basis, everybody sees it. There are very f- few other functions in a business that are monthly held to account. So so for me, right, when I think there's a – so you're, that's basically finance, finances. One of finance's roles is to hold the business itself to account and to make sure that they keep score. And, and I liked your terminology there about also it's the – the finances function to give direction or forecast and plan the way forwards. And I and I yeah. think everyone's so focused on the function of keeping score that they've lost mm-hmm. and they're maybe not given enough focus to the other pieces of the puzzle that finance needs to focus on. But I think I think I think you're quite right. And all of the big consultancies will show you the balance circle and scorekeeper and you know promote the business and plan on a forecast and then all of that. And the strategic partner, the part which goes, right, okay, we understand exactly what the business is here. Mm-hmm. And we're the ones suggesting the ideas. We're the ones suggesting the changes to the products because we've costed it. We understand whether it's it's viable or not. Um, but basically, finance needs to be lockstep within that. Yeah. So there's, there's a part that finance is responsible for, which it must do. And it doesn't need to be bragging to anybody else about that it's doing it. And that's just basically just produce the results. That's its, that's its first number one job. Make sure the business doesn't go bust because you don't know where the money is in the business or you haven't got the money into the business. Yeah, That's what they're paid to do. The second part, which is beyond, I'd say, easily 75 to 80% of the businesses anywhere, never mind in the UK, is the true strategic partnership role where we drive the business. But in my opinion, the people of the requisite caliber to do that exist in finance in the best business. Yeah. It's just getting them to carve out the time to do it, getting the businesses to adopt the mindset, which is we're going to challenge this all the way. And there's one thing. So basically, whenever I take over a finance function, I want to put in house, I want to put in order my house as fast as possible and put that in my back pocket. I know exactly where its problems are. I know exactly where its development needs are. I know exactly where I'm going to push it beyond anything it's ever thought of before. And then I just go, that's my job. That's what I'm paid for. And then I go look at the rest of it. And I go, right, okay, how fast can we start to support this, push this, help this? This is our job. And I guarantee you there isn't a single other function that produces somebody which goes, I'm going to get my own house in order, and then I'm going to go check that the finance guys are okay. No. <laughs> no, no, not on it. Not a hope in hell does anybody else do that. Nobody else out of the rest of the functions from HR, procurement, uh, IT possibly, mm. IT possibly, actually has sufficient gumption to go, Head above the parapet. What can I do over there? How can I help over there? But they're the very same people who stand up and go, maybe the finance people could help us, and so on and so forth. So the, the best caliber of individual generally in majority of instances will come from finance. But those individuals are not being challenged enough to one ensure that their own house is cutting edge 
and two, that they are spending the bulk of the time on partnering with the business. Now, it's not rocket science to be suggesting that the people who manage the numbers should be the strategic partner to the business. And a lot of people make a great big song and dance over this. To me, it's, it's just the basic stuff. Producing the numbers is not intellectually challenging. It isn't. It's a rote process exercise that all finance people go into. And depending upon your point in life that you're at, you go, right, I'm responsible for fixed assets. And that's okay. I'll do that and I'll go home. Cool. Don't, don't be bothered. And I'm, I'm fine. I'm looking at you and you're sitting there and you've got five kids and you're like, just do that for me. That's cool. And I look at my controllers and I go, I'd kind of like expect a little bit more. So you make sure that this works well. I challenge you to make sure that this works better. And then you start giving me ideas as to why those four functions over there could work better. And then I'm going, right, okay, and now we're getting somewhere. And this builds up, builds up, builds up through the layers of the organization and the team. And then the finance function itself looks out and across and it goes, how do we make all of this better? Because we know the numbers. We understand the impact of what the rest of the business is doing with its head down, beaver and away, producing kegs of beer in order to sell to some lad over here. We get that. We know that because we see it every single day of the week. Um, now, what are we going to do to help them? You know, it's all in our best interest. So I'm a great believer in um, all of the finance teams are sent out into the business to learn what the business does and let them go out and do it. I remember shoveling kegs off a truck for whip bread back in the 90s. Not that you really seriously need to teach an Irishman how a bar works, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I did think they took a risk making me stock accountants, but hey, oh. Um, you need to do that. You need to live and breathe the business. So as we come back to some of the original stuff, is there innovation in finance? No. Is there a desire amongst the top 1% of people who are involved in finance? Yes, there is. But you're, you're an outlier. You're not common, right? So, and there'll be a whole host of people who come on and go, oh, that's not true. I've done this. And I'll go, well, go on, show me what we've done. And they'll still be sitting here looking at the screen. That is nothing, you know? So the, the whole approach to this has got to be challenge yourself. Know your business backwards. Challenge your business, support your business, and focus on the intellectual challenge and the organizational development and the behaviors and the teams and the people so that a business starts with all of the right things in place. So that's why I still come back to the fact, Park and Excel, it's the next generation of businesses that will be set up with people who are switched on to succeed from the start, and that will just work by osmosis through the business. And nobody should be hired in a mid-sized business who does not know what that business does. And actually, I'm a great believer in rotating the jobs. And I always did that in finance. I'd rock up on a Monday and go, right, okay, we're on working day, whatever it is, working day 10. So you guys aren't under pressure. You guys go start doing their job and vice versa. And within five minutes, you'll both work out. You need the desktop procedures and that's your problem. You're going to learn now how this works. Now, that attitude needs to be taken out of finance and through a business. I would take the third week of every month, because whether we like it or not, finance still functions on it, and go, right, you guys go out into the shops. You go out into the Argos store. You go out and learn how this process works at the front-facing level, which faces off to the customer. Then come back in and account for it. At the moment you've done this, and you've sent Johnny out into the store, and Johnny realizes how something gets picked, and the customer gets fulfilled, and the customer comes back and complains, I'll talk about Orbus in a minute. Or the customer comes back and complains, and then there's a loop. So the easy part of the business is, I buy something, I do something with it, I sell it to you. Now, accounting for that, uh, the first years in secondary school can do this. The complication is, I buy something, it doesn't turn up in the, in the process, in, the, in a one-to-one -one relationship, 
and it goes out the door in a, in a one to two or a one to a half relationship and then they get it and they go, I don't want it. This isn't what I asked for. I asked you for eight chicken McNuggets and you've given me six. This has to go back through the through process. So what screws up the bulk of finance accounting processes is the bit that's churned back in from once it's actually hit the customer. The one thing which screwed up Ripred Beer Company's ability to balance its stock account was Orbus, and Orbus is return beer unfit for sale. That's what it is, in case you ever wanted to know. Now, no matter what business you're in, the moment it reaches first contact with the customer, the customer will tell you at some point they're not happy. Now, if you've got somebody in a finance function trying to deal with the simple stuff and they're struggling, and then you, you hit them with their return, the exception with the bit that's wrong, with the bit where the, cust where the customer's needs were not fulfilled, and so on, how do we account for that? So if you don't get the basics right, you can't handle the stuff that's thrown at you, so no plan survives forced contact with the enemy, right? You most definitely can't get the blue sky thinking, which is the next step down belong that. And all of this is up here in your ability to handle what you're responsible for and what you're paid for, which a lot of people seem to forget about. You, have a, you, you are paid to do a job. Make sure you do it right. Then let's take it on from there to what you could do better. Then let's take it on to there to how you can help your fellow, um, I was going to say your fellow countrymen, but your fellow, <laughs> the same person in your business. So, you know, your teammates, your employees, all the rest of it, your peers. And that is a complete mindset shift in walking in the door when you go to work for the first time. So we haven't hit that generation yet. I don't know what generation we're going to call it because we seem to have run out of letters. <laughs> we're on Generation Z, so. so. This is, I was telling somebody for a speech recently, is Z cubed. <laughs> yeah, but I also think, right, just adding into that, because I also think there's a lot of complexity that businesses create for themselves. So you say like customers pushing back and doing that, but mm -hmm. like a lot of conversations that I have with finance is that, is that actually they spend most of their time cleaning up after the wider organization. So somebody in sales has made a decision around how they sell something that's outside of the norm because they need yeah. to hit a target, you know, and, yeah. and drive something. So you say like customers driving those scenarios and, you know, once it's gone out, mm -hmm. I actually think a lot of it is driven by um, the, the actual organization itself. Like obviously trying to hit targets and I understand the need for it, but people mm -hmm. say it like sales driving certain structures of contracts that are outside of agreed terms that you don't have processes yeah. and procedures for. And then finance spends a lot of time trying to unpick how they're going to, how they're going to yes. manage those. Yes, and I, I, I don't dispute that. I would add that on to what I said earlier. So, but my approach to that is that, that is abdication of responsibility. So, there's a piece of this which finance because I, 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 we get we get sent different finance functions to turn around. I get sent the ones which are a complete dogs dinner, <laughs> and two of which have been described as the worst finance functions in the UK. And I get sent these to turn around. Right? They're substantial organisations and they're complete and total mess. Yeah. The people in them want to succeed, though. That yeah. that, that can't be um, forgotten. But the reason why businesses end up in a mess, siloed function by function, one function causing the other function a problem, is lack of strength of leadership. Mm. So every single thing that I've put across to you is a human behavioral trait. It's got nothing to do with innovation and finance. Your ability to stand up for your team, your center, your function, everybody has a responsibility the entire way up the line. And the other functions, they will, occupy, they, will, they will operate in a vacuum. If you don't give them direction on how you want purchasing done, 
If you don't give them direction on the sales channels that are going to come into finance in order to generate invoices so we all get some money, if you don't take a lead in working with them to do this, they will just run off and do it themselves. And once they do that, they have actually proven to me, every time I look at it, that the finance person running this wasn't tough enough. Mm. That's all of that says. The bigger the organization, the bigger the job, the more money you get paid, the more is expected of you. You are expected to man-mark the inbound and outbound elements of, of the business. Who's buying what? Which on a procurement side would be colossal for most businesses. How are we selling it? What channels is it going out the door? By what means are you attempting to increase sales? What effect is this all the way having right away through to my margin calculations? Any complicated business, its margin calculations are a pain in the backside. The number of inputs to it, right the way back to Whitbread's Orbus, the number of inputs to it is like, it keeps growing, okay? If you allow this side of the house to dictate how this is done and you take no involvement for it, it's your own fault when the finance function is screwed up. That, that's, I've, I listen to this and I unpick, every time I go into somewhere which is a mess and they go, oh, procurement won't do this. You know, the process is wrong and they don't do, I'm going, have you ever told them how to do it? Have you ever understood the process well enough to say to the business, this is the process and that's the end of this? That's, this is the pro you follow this or there are compliance impacts to the business and the CEO will tell you to follow this. No. Most finance functions that have ended up as a dog's dinner, total mess, are due to the fact that the finance people didn't know and understand their own business well enough and to be frank about it, didn't possess sufficient balls to tell the business you are doing it this way. And that's the reason they end up in a mess. I 100% agree with you. And then somebody like me has to go in and give up six months to fix that. <laughs> <laughs> I do think there is a bit about standing standing up for finance, not necessarily, you know, in the ways that matter, right? Of being the support for the organization, but also going, yes, this is okay, this is not. So because I... I feel like we could go down a few different trails here, but let's go back to that first question. That we oh, we had another topic. Yeah. I thought we had another topic. <laughs> <laughs> so, absolutely. I mean, we might pick that apart in our next, uh, our next, we should rename this the transformation debate, I think, um, we, at these sessions. No, I think what you need to, what you don't need to rename it at all. <laughs> the future of anything is driven by debate. Absolutely. So, let's talk about innovation then. So, what do you think we should that finance should do differently to actually drive innovation, to create more innovation and to be a better partner to the business? Well, quite simply. So uh, as a basic part, every single part of finance should be uh, immersed in what the business is doing. You need to carve out the time in order to do that. So if we all understand that the business exists, so we, we exist in order to sell wines and spirits, we exist in order to sell beer, we're either putting them into our own owned pubs or we're putting them into somebody else's or we're putting them into supermarkets, and we understand how this is done. We brew it ourselves within a brewery. We hold it in a distribution center or we take it in from somebody else. But we grasp what the business is. I worked for this business 20 years ago. I still remember how it works and all of the intricacies in it because they sent me out to do the jobs. And then I came back to the head office and I went, right, we're the world's most complicated stock account, but these are some of the reasons why. <laughs> and maybe we can do something about it. So this is, this is step one. It's not enough to be given, uh, people get at the start of their employment, an induction day, or possibly if they're lucky, two induction days in the business. Um, and generally they get tell, told whatever the health and safety rules are and so on and a couple other things. But they're not immersed in what the business is. Why should you be allowed to count for something that you can't describe to your mate in the pub? Who are you working for? 
oh, they're such and such, such and such. What do they do? Oh, you seem sure, but they pay me. You know, if you have an if you have an employee saying this six weeks after they walk in the door, you should just be turning them back around towards the door. Yeah, and and it's your failure, not theirs, right? So that's that's actually critical stage one to this. The second part is that you have to act, actually take seriously the need for thought. If you don't carve out the time for reflection and challenge, you will never get any better. Yeah. And this is where we go to, and this is applicable to every function in the business and every company in the country. There is no exception to this. You can't improve unless you take a good hard look in the mirror and challenge yourself. Good hard look in the mirror, what do I need to change? Maybe I need a haircut. Okay, might get a haircut, we'll see. <laughs> Um, but this is how it's done at its most basic level. I'm currently staring at myself in the monitor here in front of me going, possibly a foolish shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? But so this, is, this is what you have to do. If you don't take a good hard look at yourself, you're not going to improve. And then you have to actually, and to be honest, the majority of people are incapable of challenging themselves. You need somebody else to do it. Mm. So your you're once every three week process, which should be built into what you do for your job, not balance sheet reconciliations, which to be quite frank, nobody does anything as a result of. It's just a complete waste of activity in most instances. Um, if you had your basic processes right, you wouldn't need to do balance sheet reconciliations. They would already be right. So you have the third week in every month, in every month of the year, in every business in the country. And that third week should be devoted to personal development, organizational development, critical thinking around what it is we're responsible for and how we can improve the business which grows its bottom line. And every single person in the business must understand the relationship between their action and whether the business is profitable or not. In every commercial exercise, enterprise, you can argue the toss for whether it's a university or something else. If a business exists to make money for its shareholders, if you don't grasp your role in that from one end of it to the other, and what, your, what impact your actions have, then you're not immersed in the business you're working for. So these are the things. And week three for me is, I've often taken um, people aside, and I know when they reach the stage in the month where they're just basically ticking along, having chats and, you know, taking it easy. Um, I've got, right, we're doing something different for the week. We are actually going to do this. I set up a management academy in one of the places I was in. I took all the middle managers. I says, right, there's a room. Come out of there with an idea. None of your bosses are going in with you. Organize the meeting whatever way you want. I don't care. Just bring me back a result. They brought me back a result. Suddenly they felt they were trusted. Then, as is natural in, in all cases, the cream rises to the top. Some of them were bright enough to recognize this was an opportunity to shine and they took it. And others put their feet up and thought, well, it's 90 minutes to sit around because the boss not looking at us. Didn't get promoted, did they? So you have to challenge people in how they do things to get them to think. It's not something that most people do. And to be frank, it's only something you evolve as you get older. So the management, the senior, the more mature managers have a responsibility to set an example to the younger ones. Immerse yourself in the business. That's the reason we're here. Every now and then we'll take a day out and go, or a week out, whatever. And go, this is what we're responsible for. How can we make that better? How does that impact the rest of the business? How can we make that better? How can we support them better? How can we turn every negative into a positive? So every time one of you sit in front of me and tell me that procurement's responsibility, procurement's responsible for the fact that one part of your process is work, I'm like, what am I paying you for? What am I paying you for? Are you not capable of walking down and talking to the other department and actually forming a middle manager to middle management relationship? This is part of the development. Go down and do something about it. 
So the, the challenge is also has to be there. So whoever's the, whoever's the boss has to set the tone, has to set the expectation, and has to drive challenge into the teams. Do you think that any football manager sits there from one week to the next and goes, how the lads played last week was good? Like United have been, were crap in September. All of a sudden, they're turning it around. Hopefully, by this stage, they're still top of the league. Um, but they're not sitting there every Monday morning going, oh, that was grand. Yeah, we're cool. We're great. When United were, were at their prime and they would lose two or three games in a season, and I think at one stage, one November, they lost two matches in a row and they held crisis meetings amongst the team. This was in November. This is what winning is all about. If you want to succeed in every aspect of what you do in your teams, uh, or sorry, in your job, up to your teams, up to your departments, up to your business, you have to look to what looks good and then challenge yourself as to why you're not it and how can you become it. All of these things are human behavioral aspects. I haven't touched Excel since this conversation started. But, and I will follow up on this. This is what this is. But in order to have the time to do all of this stuff, Right? You need to spend less time in Excel. Right? <laughs> I had to, I teed it up for you. <laughs> Ka-jink. Oh, dear. Love our chat. So I think, that, you know, some great tips. That, and actually, I think every finance leader should be listening to this going, one, am I setting the direction for my finance team? Am I holding to the, them to account? And am I fundamentally standing up across the business and being that person to look above the parapet? Correct. Right. So that's number yes. one. So as a finance leader, the second piece is do my can I pull my team aside to give them chance to think innovatively, to challenge the, the business, to challenge each other, and to actually have the time to reflect and drive change? Because I, I speak to a lot of finance people where they have ideas, they just don't find the time to get them where they need to be because there's so many priorities and competing demands, right? Again, it comes back to direction, doesn't it? And, and that prioritization. Yeah, it, it, does, it, it, comes down, it comes down to direction and prioritization. You're correct. Yeah. Yes, prioritization. And, and I think third is asking good questions, right? So, you know, you, as finance leader, you don't have to be the person that gives your team the answers. You need to find ways to enable them to come up with better ideas than you might have in your head as well. Um, as about you just need to set, oh, that's, 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 set the guidelines. I, I think that's I think that's CFO five. <laughs> We're not quite there. We're even for four first. So, but as always, do you, like, do you, do you, do you like football? <laughs> you really are lining me up at the last end part of this podcast, aren't you? Maybe, maybe. No, I was only gonna. I was only gonna say. I was only going to say, I'll tell you where I see the innovation applicable to our own. It's from, it's from outside of us, right? Yeah. One of the best books I read was by a lad called Damien Hughes, who's a professor of change at Manchester University. And I read his book on a plane going to deliver a speech. Then I just plagiarized parts of it, threw it into the speech of my own. I hope he's not listening to this. Thanks. No. Oh, I hope he is, actually. <laughs> That's the point, Hannah. I hope he is listening to this. Come on, you need to push it. You need to push it. Anyway, he was describing how Mourinho, I'm sure you've heard of Mourinho, was teaching his players. He didn't explicitly teach them. He didn't take them aside and tell them. He left tripwires for them to learn for themselves. So there is a multitude of different ways by which you can bring your staff to a different level. And so I would encourage finance people to look at thinkers, thinkers outside of their own domain outside of business outside where you typically expect to find them 
and think to yourself, right, how, how are they getting somebody to, to, to do something different? Because the one thing you learn when you go through all of this is you cannot make another human individual, human being do something if they don't want to do it. You can't. It's impossible. All the critical thinkers in the world will tell you it's impossible. You must embrace the fact that you need a haircut before you go and get one. <laughs> and that's not just because I'm a man, right? Everybody has to embrace the fact that they want to change. And the way to do that is the environment you create for them to learn. Yeah. So this is why the, the, the true essence of managing things, I often get asked, do you need to be a finance guy to run a finance share service center? The answer is no. You need to be able to manage 200 people and get them thinking all the time. So you need to be able to do it. Let the rest of them do the accountancy bit. Um, you need to create the environment from which a person is going, what's the boss going to get us to do today? And they're switched on because they know the fact that you're going to challenge them to do things in different ways. And they're like, what's going to come up with next? There's no way of guessing it. And then they're, they're, they're thinking like that. Then they think like that down the line to the next people. And then they're looking like a shining beacon because I always believe the finance function is the best function in every company. The finance function shows that it is 10 times better than every other function. And to do this, finance leaders must set the scene, set the tone, lead by example every single step of the way until your own people are ready to push you aside, right? And create the environment from which they learn. Don't tell them the answer. Don't give them the answer. Create the environment from which they can work it out themselves. Then you've just created somebody who's better than if you just told them the answer and expected them to do it. Then your function just started to grow. Like that. So it's all up here down there for playing football. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thank you, Michael. As always, it's been an absolute pleasure. And I always enjoyed the fact that oh, you make welcome. me think um, while we're on these podcasts. So, uh, so if you've enjoyed today's podcast, you listen to this, you've got questions, you've got topics you want us to talk about, send it through. You can find us both on LinkedIn, uh, message us directly. Um, comment on the podcast um, or email um, is also available. So thank you to everybody that's listening. I hope you enjoyed it and we'll see you next time.